to give you a sense of where we've been as a church, we've been in this Apostles' Creed series where we're going through this ancient truth, but in a modern light. And so today's snippet of our Apostles' Creed series is this. That the Apostles' Creed says, He descended to the dead, but on the third day he rose again. Speaking of Jesus, it says, He descended to the dead, but on the third day he rose again. Now, no line of the Apostles' Creed is more controversial than the first. And no line is more celebrated than the second. So today I'm going to tell you a story that will unpack both bits. It's a great rescue story. And every great rescue story demands something of the rescuer. Every great rescue story requires that the rescuer descend to find salvation. He has to go to some underworld to save the people. He has to go to some great depths to bring a rescue. Hercules and Orpheus descend into Hades. Harry Potter enters the Chamber of Secrets. Sheriff and Joyce Byers head to the Upside Down. Andy Dufresne makes his way into a 400-yard-long sewer pipe. Gandalf goes into the depths of Moria to save Middle Earth. Superman leaves Krypton and joins us on this planet. William Wallace walks away from the highlands in order to confront his enemies at Falkirk. In Star Wars and Moana, even in Frozen, darkness must be dealt with that the light has to descend into the darkness in order to conquer it. Light descends in order to conquer the darkness. It has to go and join it and overwhelm it. So today I'm going to tell you a story. It's a story of two descents, not just one descent, but two. A story of rescue and redemption and the return of peace to all things. It's a story that renders all those other stories that we love to be as such as dim reflections of the story that we count on for our lives. Harry Potter and the Jedis and Narnia and Arendelle, these are poorly imagined pencil drawings compared to the technicolor brilliance of the story that they are all based on, the story that you and I are based on, the story that we celebrate today. There's one key difference between all the stories we love and the story that we talk about today, and that's that today's story is true. The Jesus story that I'm going to tell you, it's all true, and it's the story of these two descents. It happened. It's real. It could change your life forever. And so in order to get the story started, we have to start where all stories start, which is to go all the way back to the beginning that in the beginning of every story, we get the, the context, we, we set up the conflict, we see where is this story going because we have to figure out where it started from. And in the beginning, we're told that there was life, life in shalom, in peace, in wholeness, in beauty. There was life and life was with God. And it sums up all of creation that as God creates life, he looks at life and said, it is good. That in these early days, in the beginning, that it was good that there was evening and morning, and it was good that there was man and woman, and it was good. But like all great stories, our story turned. There was a serpent, an apple. What happened is humanity, who was living in the it was good, peace and shalom with God, 
humanity started to distrust God just a little bit, just for the very first time, wondered if there was something that God might be holding out on. And humanity began to wonder if they could know what God knew or see what God saw or maybe just for a moment be their own gods. And in this distrust, that shalom, that peace, that perfect harmony of creation was broken. And everything that was whole and that was good and that was right began to crumble, began to evaporate, began to disappear. The it was good of the early days was undone by the distrust of the people in the presence of God. You see, sin and brokenness entered into the world. Death arrived in the garden of life. And death cannot exist in the garden of life. And so God had to allow humanity, had to allow us, had to allow you and me He had to allow us the death that we chose in sin. He had to allow us the death that we chose in our distrust. And so in the garden, when distrust entered, humanity was forced to leave. And so where God was the home of life, humanity became the home of death. That each and every one of us carried this death with us from that day forward. That our our distrust of him created a chasm And like any good creation that it was doomed, any good creation that was then facing death or destruction, what we needed more desperately than ever was a rescue. So God, because he loved us, decided to send a rescuer. This is where Jesus enters into this story. The old scripture says it, that God so loved the world. The ancient texts, the ancient writers writing the story in real time said it was because God so loved the world. He gave his son. And this is why, this is why he did it. So that no one needed to be destroyed to face death. That by believing in him, anyone could have whole life and lasting life, peace life, beauty life. The life that was created in the beginning. That God didn't go to the trouble of sending his son to send Jesus to you and me so that we might be accused We did that for ourselves. Jesus didn't come to point the finger at you and to point the finger at me and say, see, shame. Jesus came so that our shame might be undone. That anyone who would trust in him would be acquitted from what we had been convicted of. That anyone who refused to trust in him, that anyone who held on to the distrust of those early days in the garden, anyone who said, I still want to be my own God, Anyone who still sat there would still sit under that death sentence, even if they didn't know it. All of humanity carried the stain from that garden scene. And failing to trust God, all of humanity, you and me, we lost out on life with God. And so Jesus showed up to reintroduce us to God, to be the bridge back to life and to hope and to healing, to be the bridge that we needed to break that chasm that we created. And so when the Apostles' Creed says he descended to the dead, I would like to make the argument that he actually did that twice. The first time Jesus descended to the dead, Jesus went from heaven to earth. Jesus went from the right hand of God in the land of the living down to the place where you and I exist in the land of the walking dead, that you and I, trusting ourselves to be Savior, didn't even know it, but we were in the land of the dead. Jesus came with a huge job to do. He was no ordinary sacrifice because no ordinary sacrifice would do. 
if someone was going to come and erase all of the imperfection and all of the injustice, it couldn't just be anyone. Because of the imperfection, the heights of imperfection, the depths of our injustice, it required the height of perfection to reverse it. It had to be the perfect sacrifice. It couldn't just be any man. It had to be the God-man. And Jesus came to be that for us. He lived a sinless life and still he was accused and arrested and crucified. And the injustice of his death in the eyes of humanity was ultimately the justice that God saw through him. That Jesus' death covered our sin, that his punishment took the place of the punishment that you and I had earned in our distrust and are walking away from the source of life. And for the second time, then Jesus, Jesus descends. Jesus comes to earth from heaven, and then Jesus leaves life in order to experience death. That on the cross, Jesus experiences death on our behalf, that his sacrifice was done for us. And it isn't just a state of death. It isn't just a sleeping body. But the ancient text, the ancient scriptures are clear that he went to the place of death. And that matters. How else does the hero conquer the villain except to go to the place where the villain resides? How else does the light defeat the darkness except to invade the darkness in its deepest point? Jesus descended to earth to conquer our sin. Jesus descended to death to conquer death itself. And so Jesus came to earth to conquer our sin. Jesus goes to death in order to get rid of death entirely. Jesus' victory over death becomes the pivot point for all eternity. He was buried, wrote some of his followers, that he would be raised on the third day. It would have been prophesied long before he ever arrived. On the third day, he would rise. And then he would present himself to people. He would show himself to his followers. He would come back and meet them in real time. And the eyewitnesses of the day said that happened. That Jesus came back, that he rose from the dead, that he presented himself to Peter and then his followers and then the hundreds along with them, to James and all that he had commissioned. He showed himself to be real still, that Jesus rose from the dead. At this pivot point of history, Jesus rose on the third day. He appeared to witnesses, lots of them. It's not a fable dreamed up in some writer's mind. This is faith instilled by the author of all creation. And these eyewitnesses, They didn't deny what they had seen. He even let them touch his wounds so that they might believe it was really him and not just some fantasy. In dying, he destroyed our death. And in rising, he restored life for all who might believe. In dying, he destroyed the power of sin. And in rising, in this beautiful ascent, he took us from death to life. Jesus, in going from death to life, takes us from death to life. Don't miss this. The story that we're telling has all of these beautiful clues. As you go back and re, reinvestigate the story of the life of this Jesus, the story has all of these incredible clues as to who he was and why he was here. There's this story that when he was risen, that there was a burial cloth left in the tomb to be found. That wasn't the first cloth that Jesus had worn. When Jesus was in the manger, he wore swaddling cloth. He was here to be with us, like us. And then later in his life, he puts on a servant's cloth to wash the feet of those he was teaching. That cloth showed us that he was here to serve us. And then finally, he was wrapped in a burial cloth and put into the tomb after his crucifixion, which meant he was here to give his life for us. 
And so in the tomb, they find that burial cloth, that last and ultimate cloth of Christ. And what they don't find is Jesus. He's not there. He had risen to life. And in doing so, he offered humanity, you and me, a chance to go back to the beginning, a chance to go back to that shalom and that peace and that wholeness to undo the brokenness and find the healing. He offered us a path to the design of the universe itself, to the reason we were created in the first place. Jesus offers you and I a taste of the garden here and now. He offers us a touch of the creator here and now. Jesus offers us admission into the kingdom of life in the midst of a country of death, and he does it here and now. In the garden, God called out for humanity which had hidden itself in sin and shame. Where are you, he said. Finding its burial cloths, the followers of Jesus called out for him. That this pivot point of history meant that we were no longer hiding from God, but we were seeking him truly. From cowering in the garden to seeking a risen Savior. This is the story we tell. It's the story of humanity. story of hope. It's all true. The story that we tell is the story of this Jesus, the hero of history. Jesus moves from heaven to earth. Jesus travels from life to death, but he doesn't stay there. As we sing out that death could not hold him, the grave could not keep him, that Jesus rose on the third day and the stone was removed from the borrowed tomb, not so he could get out so that we could see in. And with it, when Jesus rose, sin and shame were silenced. Pain and suffering were rendered as temporary fixtures in the eternal walk that you and I are on. And so while we were once confined in these chains of sin, we have now been released And that's because he is risen, because hope is restored, because grace is restored, because peace was restored, because life was restored in the life of Christ. Jesus went from death to life and invites you along on the journey. Jesus is the hero of history because he offers you a chance to take on the journey with him. So for you trapped in sin today, for you stuck in shame today, for you feeling hopeless today, for those of you watching and listening, for those of you in a moment where you're going, I am so ready to let go of the weight of death. For those of you who are so ready to grab on to the hope of life, Jesus invites you. Jesus invites you into his story. Jesus invites you to believe and to trust to undo the distrust of the early days, the distrust of a God who's good and loves us, and instead to trust him anew. Whether that's for the first time or all over again, to really lay down our own ideas of what it means to be saved and to rest on the Savior. Where the distrust of God in the garden led to shame and sorrow and death. Where you and I descended from the place of perfect peace into our own ideas where we descended from life to death and we were the walking dead, Jesus rises on the third day to invite us into a different kind of life. Life on the upswing. Life where hope is rising and grace is rising and peace is rising, where we are rising from death to life to brand new life, from hopeless to heaven. Friends, it's all true.
The story is true. The story is real. The story is the basis of all the other stories. They're all reflections of the story that we tell today. It's all true. And the question that the story asks us, the question that the rescuer asks us is, will you trust in that today? Will you trust in him today? It's as simple as that. Are you willing to say it? Perhaps, maybe even for the first time, pray it. I trust in you, Jesus. Are you willing to mean it? To lean into that truth, to live in that truth, and to experience the fullness of life in that truth? Are you willing to pray, I trust in your life, Jesus. I trust in your rescue of my life, Jesus. I trust in your restoration, not only of my, my today, but of my forever. That through your death, I have life, and through your resurrection, I have restoration for eternity. Are you willing to pray in your heart of hearts in this quiet moment, Jesus, I trust it's all true. Wherever you are today, not physically, but spiritually, wherever you are today, my prayer is that you would know that on a day when we celebrate a rising Jesus, you have a rising hope. That wherever you are, mentally and emotionally, but most important spiritually, that you know an invitation has been made to you personally. That in a season of doubt, that hope is rising again. In a season of sorrow, joy is rising again. In a season of death, life is rising again. And so you can pray the same thing I'm praying. Jesus, breathe hope back into me today. Jesus, bring joy back into me today. Jesus, breathe life back into me today. And if you're praying that today, then the reality and the truth of, of your existence is that you are brand new. And so we can pray, Jesus, I am new today and I am yours today. And Jesus, I am home today. It's the story of truth, but it's a story of a homecoming where a Jesus who leaves heaven to come to earth isn't going to leave us on earth. He's going to take us with him. That he brings heaven down with him and then he includes us in it and he's packaging us up so we might live in heaven today in the kingdom of God today. We might have the hope of heaven for eternity, but live in it today. Jesus in a country of death bring us home to life and so make this your prayer today. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, please save me. Jesus, be with me now and forever. Thank you, Lord. Amen.